Attention Kmart shoppers! It is another episode of Sweet Talk with Honey and Naya. And, um, we'll probably talk about wrestling. I mean, you know, at one point. <laughs> um, cause, I mean, we were talking before we started recording and neither of us really came into this. This is kind of just a, sh- you know, shooting the shit situation cause it's, I mean, isn't that what it always is on, on this, yeah. on this. <laughs> so... Like, we'll probably talk about wrestling. I I don't think we talked about Extreme Rules at all, which is crazy because that was a really good pay-per-view. But, um, but yeah, we could talk about that or just general wrestling stuff and, you know, the uh, fact that Timothy Thatcher is challenging for the heavyweight title in Noah, and I'm so proud of him and so excited for him, and I hope he gets it because he deserves it. Um, and... Yeah, there's plenty of stuff we can talk about. It just depends on what we do end up talking about. Cause, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, disclaimer, I the only thing that I've done with my day is <laughs> wear my Jey Uso shirt and watch Jey Uso's Chronicle and talk about the bloodline <laughs> with my bloodline friends. So, <laughs> Oh, I gosh. Mean, to be fair, to be fair, like this year i think i've probably mentioned it like in every episode that we've recorded since but like since sasha and naomi have left i haven't been as like i don't know i guess invested in wrestling the only thing that i deeply pay attention to is the bloodline and seth rollins so (laughs) and i don't even pay that much attention to seth rollins i pretty much just tune in to see what he's wearing and then i'm like okay that's cute and then (laughs) that's it I, uh, I mean, I've, I've been enjoying wrestling recently, but, uh, nothing has been particularly striking to me, um, just in the general landscape. Like I said, I really enjoyed Extreme Rules. Crown Jewel happened. Um, there's been good matches and stuff. It's just, like, the only storyline that's, like, really going on is kind of the bloodline, and... It's kind of in, like, a lull right now as they build up to something, so... It's like, there's just not a lot of... Like, there are fun things happening. Like, I like the build-up to the Women's War Games match, and I like Johnny Gargano and The Miz, and Johnny Gargano's, like, Dateline investigation that he did, um... Because he really came in like he's Chris Hansen, which I loved. Um... (laughs) But, like, yeah, I mean, there's been good stuff. It's just, like, and, I mean, obviously, Bray Wyatt, he's always a delight to watch. But it's just one of those things where it's, like, because, <sighs> like, even, and it's not just WWE, because, like, even in AEW, yeah. there's not really anything going on. Like, they're, they're kind of in a lull, too, so I don't know if it's just yeah. maybe everyone has seasonal affective disorder. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we all just, we're all having that problem. Maybe that's it. Um, I've kind of been, um, so I've been kind of been doing the TikTok thing and started following a couple of wrestling people on TikTok, and I've even started to see people on there kind of saying that about AEW, but I feel like, I feel a little weird about it because (laughs) I've seen so many of like, God, I've been telling all my friends, AEW, where it's at? AEW's like, where it's out? And now they're like letting me down, bro. And it's kind of like a little bit like, it's not that serious. (laughs) Like, 
every wrestling company is going to have its ups and downs. There's going to be times where it's like AEW right. is the best best thing out, WWE is the best thing out, New Japan is the best thing out. And then there's going to be times where it's just a little bit more in that, like like you said, in a lull kind of thing. Yeah. So I like, think people are just a little dramatic. Like, no one's letting you down, bro. Just go watch some <laughs> of your old favorite matches and then literally look, chill out. You never see Impact fans pulling this shit. You know what I mean? Literally never. And Impact is either, like, the greatest thing you've ever seen or it's just, like, the most garbage show being put on television. There's no in-between with Impact. But you know what? They never complain. They just either watch that shit or they don't. But you know what? Impact does have intergender wrestling, which makes them better than everyone. True that. <laughs> Man, I keep, see- I keep saying, like, every single time that I see people be like, talking about like how wwe could improve or anything i'm just like let the men fight the women and then we'll be happy and then everything will be great because there's no good reason for it not to and they keep doing this stupid bullshit with like the oc and and judgment day and Rhea ripley and stuff and i'm just like <sighs> well because so they're like I oh look we... sorry, sorry we didn't talk say- we we did talk about them adding a woman and then like the next day or the next raw Mia Yim um, yeah right showed up which is like I would I have chosen Mia Yim to be in the OC no but I don't hate the idea I mean I guess her and AJ Styles can and I guess the, I guess all of them can bond over having been in Impact slash TNA so that's yeah. something at least I it's mean, a it's a desperate I, grab in a connection but it's there i can i mean i guess the way that i rationalize it is like i guess me and yim's always just been like that kind of round the way like i don't know she's like the tough round the way girl who kind of like grew up in the streets which she did yeah. but like that's kind of the the thing she's always been like compared to the other girls i guess so i feel like she's kind of like the one of the boys kind of girl yeah so that's why she fits in with them but beyond that i just i don't know i can't really wrap my head around that choice i mean like so many people were like well raquel's right there and that makes a lot of sense and honestly that makes more sense to me but i i still stand and i would have gone with lacey evans like i'm because to me i'm thinking aj styles i think like southern boy just like kind of you know, dirt road, red, yeah. and I feel like the only girl around there who even remotely fits into that is Lacey. She does look like she rides ATVs, so yeah, she, she, she was, she was probably the best choice for it. Just also because, like, what else is she doing? Yeah, um, and I can definitely see her just like, like getting in Rhea's face, even though she's smaller than her, and just like leveling Rhea. Even though, like, Mia, she's that tough girl, she's gonna bring the fight to Rhea, but I just feel like Lacey would've... I would've probably been more like, okay, now this is something I can tap into if yeah. it was Lacey. Yeah, but, I mean, that's just another... I'm just gonna include that another long line of mistakes that they're gonna make with the Judgment Day that they have, because that faction sucks. Um, and everything about it sucks, so... I mean, I'm just gonna include that as them messing it up, so. Which, apparently, there was a rumor that came out that it was, like, Triple H apparently didn't like the Judgment Day and was gonna nix them when he got in charge, but then he changed his mind, and I was like, did he have to change his mind, though? Because, dear listeners, I think I've mentioned it before, but I am just done with this Judgment Day shit, like... 
I'm I mean, sorry. of the ideas for him to go back on, why is that the one right? that he... <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I I feel like Judgment Day is still kind of in that position where looking at them, you could feel like they have a lot of potential. But I also feel like they have the potential to be stuck in that potential thing for <laughs> way too long. I just think that, like, at this point, I kind of... Because, like, again, we talked about this on the last episode about, like, when Edge was in charge, there was actually, like, a story... And now it's just, like, a bunch of dork-ass high school bullies who think they're cool because they, like, dress in black and, like, wear drop-crotch pants. And, you know, they have a a goth girl who hangs out with them. They think they're awesome. And it's like, no, you guys just kind of are acting like 14-year-olds. Um, and then you have, like, Dominic Mysterio who looks like who a comparative, like, 10-year-old next to you guys. Um... And it's just, there's so much better shit that all of them could be doing. Like, Rhea could be in a tag team, because her and Liv in a tag team was actually pretty great. Yes! And... Oh my god, finally somebody who agrees there. I know people don't like Rhea very much, so they wanted her away from Liv. Oh, but her and Liv don't... made so much sense as a tag team. Don't get me wrong, I don't like either of them. But, <laughs> like, as a tag team, they worked really well. They had that fun, classic, big mm-hmm. man, little man going on, and they worked... A lot better than Rhea and uh, Nikki. Um, so, that, I was down with that because they definitely had like a a good gimmick going on. And then, you know, people bitched about the queer baiting there. And I'm like, if you mm. bitch about that, then you also have to bitch about Seth Rollins and his gay stereotype. Like, <laughs> let's be fair. True. It's but, like if Rhea if Rhea can't gay uh, if Rhea can't queer bait then Seth Rollins shouldn't be allowed to wear heels on Raw, but or do his like, limp yeah. wrist that he's doing yeah, purposefully. He does it constantly now. It's a lot. <laughs> he does it a lot now. And it's just like, dude, you're possibly the straightest man I've ever seen in my life. You do CrossFit. Stop acting like you suck dick. And. Like, what are you talking about? Seth Rollins does suck dick. I mean, probably, but... Uh, gosh, have I blocked him on Twitter yet? I probably should. Um, <laughs> but I was gonna say, um, I think, too, with the Rhea and Liv thing you were saying, that kind of just speaks to their inability to actually commit to the women's tag. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was so funny because they just, like, every single way they proved uh, Sasha and Naomi right. You know what I mean? Like, they're... Yeah. (laughs) They were, like... Because they had two routes. They could have either, like, proven that they were right by giving them more attention and putting in more work and being like, oh, look, this is a draw. Or they could have done what they did, which is where they're like, uh? We're ambivalent to this! It's, I don't, I think that, I don't know, I think it's just that thing where, like, men, especially white men in power, just inherently don't really, like, buy in to women, especially, like, where right now we have a women's division that is so unstereotypically women, like, I don't know if that makes sense, you know, like, you know what I mean by that, like, there's so many different races of women, there's different well, there were different body types of women, but now Nia's gone and Piper hasn't been on TV in forever. But, like, there's a lot of different kinds of women, and it's not that same, like, model, diva, kind of across-the-board look with all of them. If there was ever a time to really, like, buy into the women's division, it's now. But I don't think that they're really capable of doing that because they don't actually... They still don't actually genuinely believe 
that the women can do as much as the men can, no matter, even though in public, that's what they say they feel, but it doesn't come through in the booking. Cause if it did, then they would put the women's tag titles on an even playing field with the men's tag titles. But then again, they can barely fucking book those. So maybe it's just a tag title thing. Honestly, like, this is why I say that we just, see, this is why we need intergender wrestling, because then we can just have one tag titles, and then we can, just all of the tag teams can go for that. There's so, no reason that we can't. I, I'm comfortable, I'm comfortable saying this, because I know we only have, like, five listeners anyways. Shout out to you guys. But, <laughs> shout out to you guys. So between us, between us girls and honey. Um... Yes, the dude. <laughs> I'm a token male. <laughs> um from what i've heard from my hashtag sources is that like when the whole uproar happened between sasha and naomi and the powers that be there was a comment thrown around like damn at this point do you guys want us to just like why don't we just go wrestle the usos because we don't have any freaking girls to wrestle like i know they, they said it like more sarcastically but it's kind of like Okay. They were like, we might. They were like, we might as well drop the belts to them too at this point because <laughs> you clearly don't respect us. So, I mean, honestly, at this point, why not? Because it's like, and like you know, like some of the men would be all like pissy about it and be like, oh, I can't find a girl. I don't want to be a misogynist. And it's like, shut the fuck up and just punch the fucking woman. Um. I think like, Jimmy and Jay would be all over that. Especially, like, maybe it might be a little weird with Jimmy and Naomi being married. But with them, I think, but I, I definitely think they'd wrestle Sasha. And I think Jimmy and Naomi have a fun enough relationship that they'd be so down to wrestle. Yeah, I think it. they'd get a kick out of it. Because I think that Jimmy wouldn't just, like, let her win. But I think they'd do, like, really cute little, like, oh, look at us fighting and we're yeah. married things, you know? Um <laughs> They could, like, recreate that spot from Mixed Match Challenge when Naomi and Asuka had to wrestle each other, and they just kept, like, hugging and stuff, and yes. the guys were in the corner like, stop hugging, fight! No, no, so no, no, that. no. <laughs> Jimmy was down with it. Jimmy also hugged Asuka. The Miz was looking on in horror. But Jimmy was down with it. He also hugged. It was very sweet. I miss that! <laughs> also, that was one of the closest... That was one of the closest moments we've gotten to intergender wrestling was when Charlotte Flair put the Miz in a figure four. Oh, yeah. And then we never got that again. And I think in when they had Jimmy and Naomi versus um, AJ and Charlotte, I think Naomi, like, did a, like, a springboard move onto AJ. I believe so, he caught, yes. <laughs> he caught her, and Jimmy, like, came out of nowhere. He was like, hey, put my wife down. Like, what the hell is your problem? <laughs> Yeah, it's just frustrating, because they get these, like, moments where they do something that could legitimately be, like, a cool intergender moment, like uh, Baron Corbin doing the end of days on Becky, but then they decided to do that in the most misogynistic way possible by having Seth be like, oh, I have to defend my wife and her honor because she's a frail, weak woman who needs my help. And it's like, can, can, can she just fight Baron? Because then they did have her and The Rock punch on Baron Corbin, and it's like, couldn't she have just done this on her own? Is she such a mega super badass who and, main events this, WrestleMania? Mind you, mind you, this was in the prime of her The Man gimmick. Right? <laughs> like, Man, back when that was going on, and this was when, I did hate her at this point, too. Like, let's all bear that in mind, but, like, the whole... 
when she first started like that and they were doing King of the Ring, I was like, a good, good idea would be to have her jump in the King of the Ring tournament and win that. I mean, I I'm remember just saying, everybody, guys. Um, I remember everybody fantasy booking that she would win the Men's Rumble that year, 2019. I mean, just something. Anything. Anything. Like, would just be nice. Or there's... even, like, um, another intergender moment, and partially this didn't happen because of Dean Ambrose um, thinking that the company was trying to rib him, but um, Dean and Nia. I remember people people got really excited about that, including me. I was excited like, about that. Yeah. They I'll... teased it with Nia a lot, and they never really, really made her go through with it. Yeah, which was stupid. Because, I don't know, I think Dean would fight a woman. I think... Yeah, he, from what he said was, like, he was, like, the problem wasn't facing a woman. It's, like, I'd face Nia Jax any day. He said the reason, he said it was more or less what he thought the company's reasoning behind it was. He felt like they were doing it from a place of, oh, we're going to have a girl beat you up, and not from a place of, like, hey, we want to have you face another com- competitor. And, like, he's probably right. I call him a bitch ass because I'm mad at him. And I've been mad at him, and I intend to continue being mad at him for a long time. Um, shout out to Roman Reigns for being the only member of the Shield that I haven't considered blocking on Twitter. Um, even though I did have, I did have him muted for a long time because he was being stupid and annoying. But like, not like stupid and annoying in a way that made me mad. I just thought he was being like really dorky with his whole like. I'm so fucking tough. Look at my, you know, how badass so, okay. I am. Sentence. <laughs> I'm glad you said that because that's also how I feel about Roman's tweet. Every time, and mind you, I have tweet notifications on for this man, but every time he tweets, my first initial reaction is shut the fuck up. Like, I'm every sorry. single time. I love Roman, but every single sentence is like, acknowledge my greatness hear me roar and it's like dude you're almost 40 and you know you know like he's sitting there on his bus tweeting that shit in between like getting facetimes from his kid because they need to ask him where something is in the pantry like like yes it's like dude this is dorky you are a freaking dweeb he's so so fucking Duh! Like, I- But, like, that's kind of what makes the whole Tribal Chief thing, like, very funny to me, because, like, I've seen, like, like, Joe, the person, and, like, even Roman, the character, before this, and he was just, like, he had his moments of badassery, but honestly, they seemed more badass when he was a face, because he was also, like, kind of a giant nerd, and it was, like- when you have, because it's like it's the same like rule of comedy. When you're funny all of the time, there's a point where it's not funny anymore, and that's right. what makes those impactful. That's why wrestlers who are funny all the time end up having these. It's like with Big E, like you have these people who are funny all the time, and then they have this moment, and you're like, oh wow, they're a real bad motherfucker. And with Roman now, it's just like, oh my god, you gotta stop with, like, and the smolder, too. All the smoldering that he's doing, and it's like, Joe, I've seen, Joe, I've seen the try not to laugh. I've seen the try not to laugh. I know what you are. Like, I've seen you giggle. I've seen it. 
God, he he's he's funny. He's funny because like it's just so dumb. It's so funny too because like in his like evil thing, he's like, oh, I'm not playing a character. This is this is not a character. I am the character. <laughs> he's like, dude, we all know that you are a giant dork in real life. You are not this smoldering badass. Yes, the, the smoldering badass did the Fortnite dance for a <laughs> right. radio interview. Like, come on, guy. <laughs> like you said, I've seen you giggle. I've seen you giggle. It's okay. It's okay that you do that. It's I've seen a- you sing My Little Teapot with your daughter. It's okay. Yes, right? Which, actually, just as a fun little aside, I know I've told you this story, but I want to tell it to my listeners in case I haven't, because it's oh. my it's my favorite Roman Reigns memory of all time. Um, Because there was one time where I think I was on my way home from one of my trips to New York that I would like to take again soon, but I have no money and it's very sad because I would like to get my vacation in for the year. Um, And I was in the asshole hemorrhoid of America that is Ohio, Ohio. and specifically (laughs) Columbus, Ohio, because fuck Ohio. Um, And I, like... (laughs) I don't even remember what time of day it was. I think it was fairly, like, early in the morning. And I was so tired. And I came into the bus terminal station. And I went to go change my clothes. And I put my Roman Reigns shirt on because I was like, I need something comfy because I'm sad because I'm in Ohio. And... (laughs) And... I actually need to find that shirt. I lost that shirt, and I've been sad about it ever since. Um, But I come out of the bathroom in my Roman Reigns shirt, and all of a sudden I hear this voice of, like, I'm a little teapot. And then I'm like, what the fuck? (laughs) And, like, I look around, and I finally see on a screen that his fatherhood commercial is playing. And I'm like, oh. Stop following me. I was like, Roman. (laughs) (laughs) but yes so that was a fun roman reigns memory that i've always thought was was i always got a kick out of because i had just put on a shirt i just put on his merch and then he's on the screen and i'm like i didn't even know that commercial was still in circulation (laughs) like i had thought that had been off the air because this this trip was in like 2019 like years after that commercial came out but yeah, it was very odd, and I just was like, "What? What is this a sign of?" But yeah, no, Tribal he's being always watching. <laughs> God, um, he, boy, I do love that guy, but I, I'm, I'm, I, I need something to happen with this whole tribal chief bloodline stuff. I just need it to start moving along and picking up speed because I'm, I'm, I'm. I think it will soon. If my if what I've been told is to be correct, the whole thing that they've been kind of like waiting on. I think I don't know. So basically, the idea is they really want Roman to go into WrestleMania as as champion. That's kind of like their big thing that they're banking on now, whether that's to face The Rock or to face mm-hmm. Jay or whoever. The point is, is like they want him to be champion going into WrestleMania. So he's going to hold on to that title for a bit, no matter who he faces. I'm thinking that the whole like 
bloodline implosion storyline everything falling apart kind of thing is like being drawn out to mm-hmm. you know act as part of that storyline because i i've been under the assumption that when roman does drop that title he's probably just gonna go away for a while he seems to not be in a place where he's interested in working outside of that title mm-hmm. hell he's barely wanting to work with the fucking title um <laughs> Which is valid. He has 27 kids. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I, I think that that's kind of a little bit of a downside upside kind of thing. Because it's like, you know, yeah, do your thing. You know, tell that story at your own pace. But it's also like they've kind of booked themselves into a corner with the whole, like, Roman can't lose. Roman can't drop the titles. Which I feel like and they don't want him to be pinned at all. I feel like there's ways to work around that with like if they like do their job and be creative and you know like think outside the box but Mm. you know why would wwe creative use their creativity i just like honestly at this point i just i have so little faith that they're going to do this right Mm-hmm. And it's so upsetting because it's been such a great ride overall so far. And I would like for it to work out and be perfect and have a like stick the landing. I've just seen them mess this up so many times before that it's like, I mean, and, and may- maybe it'll be different because somebody else is in charge, but like. But the somebody else is Triple H. And And that man... Go ahead, sorry. And Hunter... I love Hunter. Don't get me wrong. He's great. Um, But he's also a little stupid. Um, And he's always been a little stupid. And sometimes a little stupid is not what you want. Because, like, with Vince... He was just a dick, but he wasn't stupid. Every bad decision that he made, he made knowingly and willingly. And I just don't know if I believe that Triple H has that same kind of uh, headspace. So I'm just like, as long as, you know what, I'll, I'll blanket statement this. As long as it's not Cody and as long as it's not Seth, I can handle it. You know, as long as it's neither of or the Rock, as if as long as it is not Dwayne, Cody, or Seth, I'm happy. Like I will also personally throw Drew in there because they just keep fucking circling around back to that, and I yeah. don't understand why. I like, <sighs> no, I mean, like I I would much rather see. This is one of the reasons why I'd rather have like Jay win the title because I think there could be a really cool little feud with him and Drew where Drew is like, hey, I'm not doing this because I hate you or because I have problems with you. I'm doing this because I want the title. You're holding the title. I'm doing this out of respect. And because that could keep Drew's upstanding character and Jay could be like, you know, you're a former champion. This is the first time I've ever done this. And, you know, I'm willing to prove that I can beat former champions. Like, I think you could tell a really cool story with that. Just like, because we talked about a story with Cody, too. And I think that you could tell those stories really better with Jay than you can with Roman. Because, like, we've seen... Honestly, like, 
like I feel like any of the other options that people can come up with to beat Roman instead of Jay, I feel like I'd much rather see that story I mean, with Jay instead. If, like, if I must see Seth Rollins compete for a championship ever again, which I would rather not, but um, I would rather see him like because we know that Seth Rollins, his whole character is that of an abusive person. And yeah. it would be it would be interesting to have Jay have this period of time where like maybe he faces Drew and he beats him and it's like this very cool face face moment and then he ends up feuding with Seth and it would be interesting to be like has he grown enough to look over abusive tactics or mm-hmm. is Seth able to be abusive towards him like he was towards Roman and Dean and Buddy? And can he, like, can he get under Jay's skin enough? Or has Jay learned and grown from his experiences with Roman enough to the point that, like, Seth can't, like, can get to him but doesn't, like, break him? Like, and then I don't. Sorry, finish what you're saying. No, it's it's just, you know, that's just another story that would just be more interesting. Because, like, what is it with Roman? Oh, they have a history. They were in the shield. They're going to talk about all of their problems and talk about how they were brothers. And, and, like, okay, we've done that, like, how many times since 2014? You know, like, we don't need that again. I was going to say, in terms of, like... Seth and Jay and everything you just said, I would even kind of throw in the wrench if they really wanted to make it like hashtag deep that you could arguably say that Seth is like the root of what happened to Jay because Seth played such a big role in like the abuse that Roman endured that kind of turned him into that kind of person. Mm -hmm. So they could even like delve into that side of things. Like, you know, like you're the reason, you're kind of the reason I went through everything I went through. So like, hell, let me run it back with you. Like kind of thing. But yeah, I agree. Like every there's there's so much more to explore outside of like the obvious parts like, to discover. <laughs> just going the same. And the thing is too is like besides Cody, like you said, we've already seen Seth in Roman, which we all know that I'm like number one Rawlings stand. And I think that there are other things to explore in that feud, but I don't really think that they're going to tap into those things i feel like they are just gonna rely on the same things they've always relied on so i've kind of made peace with the fact that if the rawlings feud doesn't happen again it's like okay but you know the same thing with drew it's like every roman and drew interaction has been the same for the past like two years and And even before that sorry but like even before that like their feuds weren't like the match that they had at stomping grounds was really good and the match that they had the tag match with taker and shane was really good but like those were very like those were outliers to the whole thing because they're when roman was a face and drew was a heel it still wasn't because they were also still doing that like from like when roman came back you know like they would not let them be apart from me like you would think that they have like some kind of like fucking condition where they start to age if you, faster if they're away from each other for too long when when i was in my prime drew hater phase and like they were doing roman versus drew for survivor series because i was really big on like i would rather see roman versus randy for survivor series than roman versus drew because at the very least we haven't seen roman versus randy in a long time 
and we've never had it with the dynamic of Roman being a heel. I thought it was more interesting. But even back then, I'm like, if you think about the last time before that where Roman and Drew had feuded in 2019, they basically feuded with each other for like nine months because yeah. before Roman before Roman left for his cancer, The Shield was feuding with um, Drew McIntyre and Dolph Ziggler and Braun Strowman. And then when, when Roman, Roman came, came back, back, they feuded with the him. Shield, the Shield was feuding with Drew McIntyre, Baron Corbin, and Bobby Lashley. Like, and then Roman continued on to feud with Drew basically until the rest of the year. He feuded with him for the rest of the year until they. that was when they did the brand split again with SmackDown moving to Fox. And I want to say he feuded with Drew a little bit more then too before moving on to like something else. I don't even really remember Probably, I think it was, like, after that was the story between Buddy Murphy and, um, what's that guy's name? Daniel, Daniel Bryan. Bryan. And Eric Rowan. Yeah. Like, like, but the point is, he feuded with Drew for damn near a year. Literally. And like, That's not an exaggeration, if you go look at the timeline of it. And, like, again, I can't stress enough that I love Drew McIntyre. I think he's awesome. I think he's one of the better people in WWE right now. It's just, I don't... I don't want to see the same thing over and over again. It's not like, and I know it's, you know, taboo to bring up his name, but, like, it's not like when you just can, like, throw, like, Chris Benoit in a ring with Eddie Guerrero or Kurt Angle and be like, oh, this is going to be unbelievable every single time because these people are just, like, stupidly good at what they do. It's like you're going to get hit and miss because they don't have (coughs) that kind of chemistry you know what i mean i also feel like i also feel like roman and drew's ring styles are so similar that when they have that match repeatedly it becomes the same match yeah it does and that's another reason why i personally don't want to see it again because i'm just like okay we know we know very good strong wrestle boys very good at the wrestling about it is going to be the same from the promos to the everything the match itself, literally nothing about it is going to be changed. It's going to be the same, oh, Roman, you know, you're the tribal chief. I'm going to take you down because I'm Scottish. And Roman's just going to be like, Drew, you're the guy. Everybody calls when I'm not around. You only can be the top of the totem pole when I don't want to be. Like, it's going to be the same thing over and over. It's just, it just, it doesn't move me. Now, War Games with them doing the Brutes, I think that'll be a fun match because, like, they can just all get really violent with each other and just, like, beat the shit out of each other and yeah. just go ham. That'll be fun. But, like, from a storyline perspective, if they try to, like, do any focus on Drew and Roman, it's just gonna, like, really... I'm gonna have to drown it out because there's nothing there to tune into. There's, you know, like, like at all. It's so bad because there's so much that you could be doing with Drew right now that doesn't yeah. have anything to do with Roman. There's other people in the company that you can face. Honestly, but, Drew and Gunter, that would be, I would be interested, not in the storyline as much, because I don't really care to watch Drew talk, but, like, the match, I would tap into that match any day. I feel it like would be, be nice good. to see, uh, the, uh, Walter get some reparation for Survivor Series 2019. Yeah. Like, they do have something that they can build on there. And then, Not too, to mention the fact having, that... Like, I was gonna say, um, with Gunter having Imperium, obviously, I feel like Drew does well in in those one versus many yeah. stories. But I was also gonna say, like, I'm sure there's some like weird European indie shit that they can be yeah. like, oh, they faced each other in some promotion <laughs> on the other side of the world. 
and beyond wrestling in 2007. Yeah, like there's stuff that they he can and he can be facing smaller guys. Like his match, yeah. I still remember like the two matches that turned him for me from being like a he's okay to like he is like a top fifteen. Were specifically his matches with like Cedric Alexander, which I still think everyone should watch if you haven't. Please watch it. Please go find it. It's amazing. And he had one with Ricochet too. And they were really good. So, like, why is he not just facing small people? Let him fight small people. He's really good at that. <laughs> but, no, they're like, he's gotta be in the, the you know, top of the heap. Top of, like, fighting for the title. And then it's gonna really get old, too, with him not winning. Yeah, <laughs> like, right? It's kind of like, why do we keep bringing him back here if he's not gonna... If he didn't take it home in Glasgow or wherever the fuck they were then, like, what makes me think is gonna happen now? Yeah, it's so, it's so stupid, cause, ugh, cause, again, I love that guy, but having him lose all this much, even with it having shenanigans, like, the Usos, like, it's a lot, like, and at one point, he's just devalued. And then, yeah. God, and then you have people being like, oh, but what if Bray Wyatt beats Roman? And I'm like, I will actually kill somebody. <laughs> I will actually, sh- like, stab I, someone in the in the organs. I think Roman, at a certain point, like, when they tell him to drop the title it, and he's ready to be over it, then I'm sure he will. But I also feel like Roman is also at a point where if he doesn't want to do something, he's probably just going to say no and they're going to listen to him because they rather keep Roman. Like Roman has literally said it himself. He's like, listen, I'm going to do whatever I want to do because at the end of the day, I have the power to just say fuck this place and leave and get on my bus and go home and be with my kids. <laughs> they know that. They want me here. So whatever I want to do, they're going to roll yeah. with it because they know the differences between having me here and not having me here. And Roman is like, especially with Sasha and Naomi gone, Roman is like the only thing they have left. Bianca is up there, but Bianca isn't. Bianca's almost there, but she's not quite at Roman Reigns, Sasha yeah. Banks, John Cena level yet. You know, she still has a little bit of ways to go. So they could rely on Bianca, but at the end of the day, there's only one Roman Reigns. There's only one Sasha Banks. There's only one Naomi, and those two are gone. So they can't afford for him to be gone too. No, they can't. And like, it's. Just one sec. Um, yeah, I can turn the volume down. I don't know if it's like coming out through the back of the speaker and coming back in. Uh, it'll be fine. Our listeners can just get two of me. Um, <laughs> and it's just, I mean... Because, like, again, at the end of the day, there really are kind of only two good choices to beat Roman and one perfect choice to beat Roman. And... I just, I worry so strongly that they're not going to just go with the obvious. And it's like, if Jay doesn't get to, for the title or not, if Jay doesn't get to beat Roman clean, all of this has been for nothing. Literally. Like, like what has been the point? All of this has just been like an, an exercise in futility, as they say. And... God, I don't know. Let's let's come back to this because thinking about it is making me sad. Has John Moxley lost his fucking title yet? I have no clue. I cannot tell you a single thing that's God. taking place in AEW right now because I fucking hope so. I I'm so far far removed. I hope I I want him to lose. I don't his think title. he has. 
I don't think he has because they the Bucks and the the Bucks and uh, Kenny aren't back yet. CM Punk isn't back yet. Um, and uh, well, I honestly don't even really know who he's feuding with. One of those people probably ain't coming back. <laughs> yeah, um, you know what? I don't know. I got some. I got some information, some tea in terms of that situation. Oh goodness! And for once, this is gonna come as a surprise. But for once, after hearing the whole story, CM Punk wasn't totally in the wrong i still stand in the fact like i think i made a tumblr post saying this like cm punk kind of shoots himself in the foot because the way that he reacts to things is just so like the only way i can describe it is like it's so unclassy that you can't help but point the finger at him and think that he's the dickhead and no matter what the situation is because like the whole media scrum situation for him to go out there and be like oh fuck the executives fuck hangman page blah 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 blah, blah immediately people are gonna be like damn what's your fucking problem Especially, like, not knowing the behind the scenes of, like, the bigger picture of what's actually going on. You're going to automatically look like the dick. So, I think if he approached the situation with a little bit more, like, couth, then perhaps people would have seen things from his perspective a little more. And rightfully looked at Hangman Page and said, yeah, it was a little unprofessional of him to go out there and shoot on CM Punk. And CM Punk is, like, valid in being angry about that. But... Punk reacted so dramatically about it that it just kind of seemed like he was coming at Hangman for no reason. And, like, Hangman's already a pretty, like, beloved wrestler. So, of course, people are going to take his side when everybody already hates CM Punk. See, I will take the side of literally anyone over CM Punk. I don't care if he's right. right. That's, like, and I'll say, this is hypocritical of me on many fronts, but, like, he like I do not care. He is never in the right to me. He could literally be like arguing like we shouldn't kill puppies, and I'd be like, mm, I don't know about that. <laughs> like, because I just truly, I just well and truly hate that man, and I want him to disappear into obscurity, preferably to never be heard from ever ever again. Like he could literally be because like, and that's the thing. Like that's. Ha- has happened essentially because he's been like he's like always worn these like leftist slogan shirts and I'm like okay but do you wash the ditches bitch because you don't seem like it like your stank ass seems like you sit there and make your wife do all the fucking work and like that's why I made nobody saw this tweet but it was very funny but I said that um, hangman page wearing a Dolly Parton shirt was more feminist than all of the leftist no uterus, no opinion slogan shirts that CM Punk wore. And I stand by it. Because, like, he's just never right to me. He's never right. He's always the asshole. And, like, he, there's That's what just... I'm saying, though. Like, he's, he's put himself in a position for people to see him that way. It's like, if he was a little... If in the past he had handled situations better, and perhaps if he had even handled this situation better maybe people would like take the chance to hear him out but because he's just always been so much of a like egotistical piece of shit bitch yeah yeah, people automatically just assume like okay you're the wrong you're wrong no matter what it's because it's like okay yeah hangman page went out there and said shit about you but like fuck you kind of thing like you know it's also hangman page has a fatter ass so that automatically gives him some more points therefore he wins yep i mean too like obviously i don't care for the Bucks or Kenny and after hearing what I heard about them I'll say it makes me well not that I respected them much in the first place but it makes me respect them somehow even less because I'm just like "Eh." and it's not even because of like what they did to him even though what they did to Punk specifically was like shitty 
and annoying, but it's just more or less the principle of everything. Good, fuck him. I hope annoying things happen to him. (laughs) I hope annoying and shitty things happen to him. He's done enough annoying, shitty stuff to other people that that's just, that's just karma coming back on him. That's just the rule of thirds, motherfucker. Right. Don't talk shit if you don't want the world to look at you and be like, hmm, I think that guy needs a shower of shit. With that being said, if anybody from the AEW locker room perhaps ever came across this, the one and only thing I have to say is, can you guys stop being losers and being fucking moles to the dirt sheet? Just for <sighs> once. Stop talking shit about your coworkers to, like, Ryan Satin and Sean Ross Sapp and all these other fucking losers. They don't have much going for them. They literally are making money off of your life drama and you're feeding it into them, causing more problems at your place of work, might I add you, just for the fact that you want to have the cloud of going and running and telling them something and seeing a headline about it later and knowing that the information came from you. Just keep shit to yourself. Not everything, even if you guys are back there beating the shit out of each other daily, we don't we don't need to know. Just keep it yourself. It really doesn't matter. I need I I I I need them to all go find other jobs that's not in AEW because AEW is horrible. And I need some of them to go find some like decent wrestling training. Um and it's just like I mean, like in regards to the CM Punk situation that I don't know if we've ever actually really delved into on this podcast, the stuff with so. the Bucks and, and Kenny and the fight and all that. Yeah. Uh, Excuse me. Um. But, like, <laughs> again, there's just nothing that can convince me that Punk was right at all. Like, you know, if if I knew what you knew, then maybe I would think slightly differently, but it would probably just be more like, I think that other people are assholes as well. Yeah, and if, less... if anything, and honestly, of the people that I have told about it, that's pretty much the general consensus, is like, no, I don't sympathize with punk, but I can at least admit that the other ones were also assholes. It was kind of like a more everybody's the asshole everyone's what is it everybody sucks here everybody sucks here yeah yeah um hey tell me later so i can figure out if it makes (laughs) kenny less sexy um (laughs) to me it does but i I don't know if it's your opinion (laughs) not that i found him sexy in the first place but you know well i do because i have very weird taste um but yeah it's the whole situation just at one point at the end of the day they were all being deeply unprofessional. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I will say for, I will say when it comes to Hangman shooting on Punk, I think that when people are in the positions that the both of them were in, of being so highly regarded in pretty much the entire wrestling world, but especially in their locker room and their company... I think that everyone needs to be mature enough to handle a little bit of shooting. Like, I think that if... I think Punk, being the veteran that he is, having worked in the places that he's worked in, I think he should be able to, at this point, handle someone shooting on him. And I think he should be able to not turn it into a big thing where he decides to be un- because I don't think shooting necess- shooting on someone is necessarily unprofessional. I think that sometimes that's just how things go and it's sometimes the right thing to do. 
and it's just like there's no reason that Punk could have couldn't have just gently shot back, you know? Yeah. There's no reason. Or to he... me, I'm like, to me, I'm like, there's no reason he couldn't have just like talked to Hangman privately and been like, hey, I wasn't really cool with that, and they could have just yeah, had a chat that about too. it like grown men and then moved on. Like, and they could have just been passive aggressive to each other afterwards. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. handle that. Like, that's what grown people do. You have a disagreement, you talk about it, and then you just are passive aggressive to each other until your last days on Earth. And like, I just truly don't understand like why Punk had to turn it into the big thing that it became. Yeah. Um. Other than the fact that he is just an egotistical loudmouth piece of shit that thinks that he is in the right every single time and cannot possibly be wrong. And so that's, that's probably why he did that. Um, and then there's that Ace Steel dude who I guess was just yeah, like, I'm just fuck? down, I'm just down to party. You know what <laughs> listen, I mean? <laughs> listen, you cannot convince me he didn't just have an issue with Kenny and the Bucks and was like, this is my chance. <laughs> right? Like, uh, well, when else am I going to get to do this? Might as well. Like, eh, I mean, I'm not going to ever get a chance to fight them again, so fuck it. Which I can, which, you know, I can respect that. Shoot your shot. But, um. No, that whole thing was just stupid. And then, like, like Jericho calling Punk a locker room cancer. I was like, yeah, many people have corroborated that before. And, like, them apparently having to have, like, you know, like, backstage, like, locker room meetings to build up morale. And apparently it was just John Moxley talking to everyone. And I'm like, okay, so you're gonna have that dude try and get people how, to act I'm right? Like, okay. How fucked up are things where John Moxley is the only voice of reason? Right. Like, come on. Like, can you, like, is literally no one else around that has any kind of, like, Daniel Bryan can't speak up or something? Like, can Roman just be on land to these people? <laughs> Um, Roman's like going to AEW like okay guys listen I think that's a problem though it just doesn't seem like they actually genuinely have any like I don't know from okay so I'll say this part from because it's not that controversial from what I've heard Punk genuinely does try to help the guys in the back he like he'll stay the whole show and like if anybody wants advice anybody wants to talk chat ask questions he is very open to that and lets them do that you know um so i'll give him that and that's kind of the part of the whole problem is where it's like you know those are the things about cm punk that people don't tell you um they'll tell you everything negative but they won't tell you the things he does well which you know i can give him that because he um, doesn't do anything well and he's awful but, all the way around sorry <laughs> <laughs> but like outside of that I, it doesn't really seem like they have anybody around there which is crazy when they have so many fucking old people like chris jericho walking around it's like where why are all these old men here if none of them are gonna be leaders to these younger wrestlers and like kind of show them like like I don't know, um, what's the word? Like, I I don't want to say professionalism, but just, like, professionalism. How you conduct yourself in the locker room. How do you interact with your peers when you have conflict? Like, you know, there's very simple solutions to a lot of these problems, and it just doesn't seem like they have anybody around there, I guess, besides John Moxley, who is capable of, like, modeling that, you know, and, you know, taking the reins and and being like, hey, you know. Like, listen... 
I don't. I am not involved in the AEW locker room in any way. If I would, it would just be being in Kenny Omega's bed. And I'm just like... So so I do want to like clarify and preface this with like, I don't know the inner workings of that locker room. <sighs> but I just don't think John is the kind of person who is good at leadership positions. And you I know think what? I think he's... he said that himself, so that's a very valid, you know... And, I mean, now topic. he's trying to go back on it and be like, oh, yes, I can totally be the leader. But, like, the thing is... And I don't know him personally. Again, just to preface this, I don't know Jonathan Good personally. If I did, we probably would have fought each other by now. And I think I probably would have bit him, and he probably would have tried to strangle me. Because okay, I think Steel. we have... Well, yeah. Um, why can't I bite Kenny Omega? Um, but he, from everything I know about him, from the parts of his book that I've read, from the interviews I've heard, from the way he acts, he's just not a person who can handle mountains of responsibility he seems kind of like he has a penchant for what he won't call self-harm but what i will call self-harm and like some bad choices that he's made and i think that people think he's a great leader in the locker room because he's kind of just like not gonna bullshit people and there's a difference between being a good leader and being someone who knows how to talk honestly to people about problems because i do think that he's at a point in his life where like he can just be honest and be like hey these are the problems we're having these are the things that we can do to fix them but that's different than like leadership leadership is like taking that initiative to then connect with people and actually fix the problems. And he just doesn't seem like the kind of person who does that. And that's not a bad thing. Not everybody can or should be in a leadership position. We see that with Punk. As someone who has tried to be in a leadership position. When clearly what would have worked better for him is a gentle mentorship position. I think he yeah. probably would have been good if he had just stuck to like... You know, oh, I just want to, I just saw your match and I think that you could maybe try this next time or have you ever tried this or, you know, what's worked for me in the past is this. And not pushing it, but just being like, giving suggestions and being like, you know, I'm here if you ever want to talk about something that you want to try. That would be great. I think that he actually does have enough experience and look, I'm even going to give him a compliment here. I think he does have enough experience and has been in wrestling long enough that he has a lot of good advice that most people would think is good, but I wouldn't because he's a piece of shit. Um, advice that he could give to people, and I think that people would treasure that because of who he is and how long he's been wrestling, and I think that that's fine. It's just he shouldn't be in any kind of leadership position where he's trying to command people because some people just shouldn't do that. Like, and when it comes to John, who is great, again, I have my issues with that man. 
like the fact that he really needs some Adderall. Um, but he's he's just not the kind of person who needs to lead people. He's he's nice, you know. He's kind of stupid. He's got some brain problems, like I do. I actually have many problems in common with him. So, you know, this isn't a place of judgment. This is just an observation. And, but people feel like they have to be in these positions of leadership when there is no one else to fill them. And when they are used to situations where someone does fill them. So when you have seen someone successfully be a leader, you try and emulate that even though that's not a good way to do it. You have to do it your own way. And he's just not the right guy for that. I don't think yeah. they really... I Like, the thing is, is, like, you don't get that just because you've been there for a long time or you've been wrestling for a long time. You do it because you're just naturally very good at it. Like, if one of the younger people came up and ended up being, like, a very good locker room leader they should get the opportunity to do that because some they probably have one or two people people there who actually could have that position because they're just naturally that kind of person. Like Roman, Joe, just yeah. naturally that kind of person. And he's That's what so, I was gonna say. If you're if you're the right person for that role, people will naturally recognize that and kind of like come to you. Yeah. Like I think and I think and I feel like Chris Jericho has said something to that effect in in making fun of CM Punk like a long time ago. I feel like he said something like CM Punk kind of like tried to crown himself the locker room leader at one yes. point in w in WWE and everybody kind of fucking laughed at him because they're like yes. that's not how that works. There's you don't a, tell us you're the locker room leader. We a, tell you that we see you as a leader. There's a famous story about Booker T throwing trash on the floor because Punk told everybody to pick up their trash and he was like no dude. Um, and then which, the thing is, is like if you're a real leader, and and it's like if you are a real leader, not that people will be scared of you, but people will at the very least respect you enough to not try you, right? You know, like if you if people gotta pull your card and you gotta kind of like go buck wild on them in order for them to see that you're somebody worth listening to, then you are not fit to be a leader. Like I don't think if Roman went in the locker room today tomorrow and was like hey it's messy here y'all need to clean up like i think everybody be like oh shit roman said clean up we gotta clean up because he needs his dad voice on him nobody's gonna like pull his card and be like throw their trash on the floor and like (laughs) obviously i think roman would be like don't fucking play with me but i don't even think he would need to do that because people automatically respect him enough to not like pull his card and like the thing is the thing is roman for what it's worth, has never really talked shit about anybody mm-hmm. other than CM Punk a little bit. But it wasn't... And it's, so- not even, it's not even talking shit. It was more or less just like, I don't have anything to say about him. I don't have any energy to give him. Which but is like, very graceful compared he, to the shit Punk has said about him. Well, yeah, because the gracefulness is part of it. And that's another reason why I say that, you know it's why Seth couldn't be a locker room leader. It's why I don't think John can really be a locker room leader because you have to have the kind of grace and blanket respect for others that makes you a person people can then respect in turn. Because like, 
every time I think about this, I just think about the shit John has said about Brock. And I'm like, especially because literally every other person who talks about Brock and having worked with him is like, oh, he's great. He's thoughtful. He's always like coming up with ideas and he's creative and he's, you know, he, he wants to make this work and he loves working with people and he's done this great job. And like I, Seth was like, I went and had beers with him after WrestleMania 35, which was a little fruity, but, um, (laughs) and like, uh, (laughs) um, and like, even CM Punk was like, Brock is a sweetheart. I love Brock. He's great to work with. But then you have John being like, he's a shithead who doesn't listen. Like, the common denominator of that is not Brock. The common denominator of that is John. And the fact that he was comfortable going and saying that about yeah. someone who even his close friends have been like, no, that guy's great. We love him. You know, it's like, why, like, how are you going to sit there and talk shit just because you're upset, you know? And that's all it was, is he was just upset. And, (laughs) and it's so, it's just, it's such a marker for me of someone who is, who I could respect as in a leadership position is someone who's graceful enough to be like, you know what? I don't have anything nice to say, so I'm just going to bow out and someone who doesn't talk shit about their colleagues, you know? (laughs) Like, just don't do that and you automatically are in a different spot. And I also think about, like, you know, there was a story that Aleister Black told when Roman got sick and he was talking about how like he was kind of just getting started in their area and in wwe and stuff and he had like known roman like kind of through other people but they weren't close and he needed wrestling boots and roman was like hey man i heard you needed wrestling boots and he managed to get him some and alistair still has those to this day and you know, the other part of being a leader is that, like, you go to great lengths to help people. (laughs) And it's not that I don't think that, like, people like John or Seth wouldn't be able to do that. It's just, like, I don't think that's their first thought. I think that it's Roman... I think that that's how Joe's brain works. You know what I mean? I think his brain is set to be, like, I am going to do what I can to make other people's lives not suck. And then his second thought is, I'm going to do what I can to make my life not suck. I think most people's brains are configured in a way to think first about how they can make their lives not suck. And that's, and again, this isn't to say that like any of those people I mentioned are bad people or that Joe is a better person than them. They're just different kinds of people and we need all different kinds of people Like, they have many different things and wonderful qualities, but that when we're talking about, like, leadership positions, there are a set of qualities that make you better at that. And some people just don't have it, and it sucks when you see people, like, trying to be in that position, and you're like, oh boy, I'm just gonna watch this ship crash from over here. (laughs) And, like, I don't know, I have many problems with how AEW is run, I've made that clear many times. Um, but it's it's just always such a bummer to look at. Because I was like, 
So, like, I didn't like AEW at first, but I was, I, I had always been my plan. I was like, I had said, after the first few things of it that I watched and didn't like, I was like, you know what? They're new. <coughs> I'm going to give them, like, you know, two or three years. And now here we are, two or three years later, and it's somehow gotten worse. <laughs> like... And, and it sucks because I was looking forward to this, like, oh, new wrestling frontier. Cool. And then it sucked. And now it's kind of sucking more. <laughs> They're having all this drama and stuff, which is fun to watch and hear about. But at the same time, you're like, this all could have been avoided if you all just acted like someone had raised you. <laughs> like, Yeah, like, literally. It's like, and honestly, I think that part of the problem especially with the way that AEW markets itself, I guess, to wrestlers. Like, the appeal of AEW in the beginning was like, oh, this is a company ran by the boys for the boys. Which- sorry, sorry, real quick, if you could hear that shit bag open. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely can. It's okay. Um, ASMR. <laughs> but, um, sorry, I think yeah. AEW has always kind of, like, marketed itself towards wrestlers as, like, we're a company like by the boys for the boys Mm -hmm. but and that's fine and i think i've even said this too when it came down to the whole like we don't have a creative team free say whatever the fuck you want to say on the mic thing it's like that's i see the appeal of that in terms of like wanting people to feel comfortable and have freedom and like letting i guess letting adults kind of uh mediate things within themselves Mm -hmm. and function as their own little society however they're is a middle ground between WWE's kind of control freak way of things and AEW's like free reign, fuck the world, do whatever you want way of things because there's clearly issues within both and there is a middle ground you can meet in. And I think AEW kind of needs to tighten the reins a little bit on certain things because like there's no reason that they should be having to like straight up cancel matches because the heat between people were so bad that they can't trust them to be in the ring together you know there should be no reason why you know there's all these issues obviously there's always going to be people who say things to dirt sheets and spill whatever that's always going to be a problem but like it shouldn't be so much of a problem that like it's causing rifts between people in the company and affecting what they can and can't put on tv because you know people are beefing so bad about what other people are saying about them to the dirt sheets it's like these things it's like beyond ridiculous at this point and it's like everybody involved is adults we should be able to like self-serve enough to to you know function as like a, a company and then too like when you have that whole mentality i think wrestlers pro wrestlers are inherently very like egotistical people um, in a way, you kind of have to be in order to, you know, be good at it. But also, when you have so many people like that kind of, like, uh, run to in in one place, that becomes a problem because everybody's walking around like their shit doesn't stink. And you don't have anybody to, like, uh, mediate and hold mm-hmm. anybody accountable for their actions because you've already, like, basically told everybody, hey you should come here because it's the wild west you know and like like sorry continue i was just gonna say like you need you need leadership you need you need like you need talent relations i'm sorry yeah. you just do 
You need somebody who can go in there and look, go like, okay, here's the problem you have, here's the problem you have, have, here's how we can meet in the middle and make this work for everybody involved. Or even just straight up be like, listen, dude, you're wrong. We're not doing that. Like, for example, the Sammy Guevara and Andrade thing. Andrade got punished for it just because Sammy's closer to Tony Khan. That's completely fucking unfair. When Sammy Guevara was completely in the wrong for, for you know, basically instigating a fight between himself and Andrade when Andrade essentially did not do anything to him. Yeah. You know, like, stuff like that. These situations did not have to be handled in the manner they would. And, like, again, I'm not in the boat of, like, oh, AEW, WWE. Like, I'm really beyond that at that point. At this point, like, what the fuck ever between both companies. They both have their issues. But, like, that's at least one thing you can kind of say that WWE handles better. If people are fighting backstage, and I'm sure there are conflicts and situations going on back there, we don't hear about them. You mm-hmm. know, they're, they could be fist fighting back there every fucking week and we don't hear about it because, <laughs> you know, they have things in place to make sure their comfort company is represented well, you know, as a brand mm-hmm. and protect their, their brand of their wrestlers and protect their brand as a company, which AEW is just not doing a very good job of. And I feel like in a lot of ways, they kind of haven't ever done a very good job of that. Yeah, and like... Kind of the crazy thing to me is, you talk about how, like, one of the reasons people went to AEW is because they were like, oh, you can do whatever you want here, and, you know, we, we're we not going to control you like other companies. And then, a few years in, and we're seeing that, no, Tony Khan does have every intention to control the storylines and stuff like that. Yes, the whole... The whole thing of, like, people were, like, so upset that in WWE, everything has to go through Vince. But Tony has that same veto power in AEW, Mm -hmm. where if he doesn't want something, if he doesn't like something, I have heard for years, literally for years, about the the women's division. Like, this is why I've gotten off of Kenny's case about it, and because I... In a way, I always blamed him, and I still do a little bit. But the reason why I've gotten off of Kenny's case about the women's division is because I've heard so many different times from so many different people that he has tried to present ideas to, to, to Tony to make the women's division better, but Tony doesn't want to do it because Tony doesn't believe in women. You know, like, mm-hmm. it's him kind of thing. But guarantee, if you replace Tony with Vince, then people would be like, that's evil, that's fucked up. Like, this old man, he's got to go and... You know, obviously he's gone now. But, like, when it comes to Tony Khan, for some reason, people just don't see any issue with it. And it's kind of like, how are you guys not competing, computing that they are, like, two sides of the same coin here? Yeah, it's ridiculous. And people are, and people still have this idea in their head that somehow, like, that Tony Khan actually, like, they're like, no, no, no. Tony Khan is letting them do what they want. It's this, this, this is what you're hearing, though. And it's like, dude, can you just admit that you know, you were wrong. <laughs> right. And, cause like, I like to think that I admit when I'm incorrect about things. <laughs> and it's just, uh, just kind of ridiculous. And also, AEW has been a great experiment in proving why wrestlers maybe shouldn't always be in charge of their creative. Cause, right. Um, That's where I'm like, it's the same thing where it's like fans want to be like wrestling companies should listen to us and what we want and i'm like eh, not really <laughs> like there has to be a balance between wrestlers doing whatever they want and like companies doing whatever fans want because not all the time you know what's best for you baby 
Um, unrelated, but I just found this out. Uh, apparently, uh, no one's gonna know who this is except for me, but, uh, Anthony Rumble Johnson, MMA fighter, has, uh, passed away today. That's very unfortunate. Oh. He was a really, really great fighter, and... Uh, he was always a delight to watch, and apparently he had been battling an illness, so that's a really unfortunate thing that has happened today, and I just wanted to mention that since I found it out, and, you know, it's just awful. <laughs> uh, so, yes, I hope he, his family is doing well. You know, I know they'll never hear that message from this podcast, but I, I hope they're taking time to grieve. Um... But yeah, it's with AEW, they just, uh, like, they're kind of just proving the points that they didn't want to prove. And they're kind of just proving that the reason WWE has been successful for so long is because their methods kind of work. <laughs> you know, like, even at the end of the day, if they make some mistakes and missteps, they're still, like, lasting a long time. And making a ton of money. And... Oh, it's just like... You guys could do that too. If, if you wanted to. If you if you wanted to put in the effort. Instead of just having this wild, wild west landscape. And like letting people just do whatever. Because honestly, like like you said. Like maybe they're, the whole WWE locker room might fucking hate each other. And it might be a fucking brawl for all back there every week. But you don't hear about it. So that also tells me that, like, like, there's just something different backstage that's happening that they need to tap into over at AEW so they can figure out, like, a method to keep this from happening. Because, like, if somebody in WWE had went and shot on somebody else like Hangman did with Punk, I feel like we almost certainly would not have heard about any fallout from that other than maybe Vince being like, hey, dude, don't fucking do that. And I'll say this. Literally, I'll say this. Two things. Seth, well, no, I'm not going to say the second thing because I'm not supposed to know that. But... <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. What do you... What I'll say the first... Forbidden knowledge. I'll say the first thing. The first thing, I feel like I've already spilled too much of my tea on this. <laughs> and my, my, pe my, my tea, the people I get my tea from, not that they listen to this podcast, but like in the future, if like these things come up again, they're gonna be like, damn, bitch, you talk too much. But <laughs> so some things I gotta not say on here. But the one thing that comes to mind that I can say, because it was said publicly, was like after Hell in a Cell, how like Seth got really rowdy with Vince and like, tried to like go for his head like he really he tried to fight that man we never heard about that until <laughs> seth brought it up in his stone cold interview like guarantee if somebody went back there and tried to swing on tony khan we would have heard about we would have heard about it probably as it was happening like this person would have been mid-swing and it would have been sean rossap would have been posting about it because like they don't know how to keep shit to themselves like at all like and then the other thing i was gonna say too is like it's kind of ironic that AEW has always been like, we're such a family. And I know families fight. My family certainly fights. They just fight. It happens. But like, the company that's marketing itself as such a family is the company that's like having to cancel matches and like 
having literal fist fights back to back like every other week it's it's getting, involving the executives too like it's not even just the locker room like why are the executives fighting it's it's getting crazy right like listen i've said many times that i've kind of shifted my opinion on kenny for the most part i do think he has his missteps and his flaws and his issues um and i do think that you know like i said with punk and all this i think that he was probably a little bit in the wrong too and it's just that everybody was in the wrong but why are you as someone in a position of it because like i'm sorry i do not think i can imagine a world where like kevin dunn and bruce pritchard were like off like like busting into like some like roman reigns's locker room and like starting yeah. shit you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah exactly like if like i'm sorry and like i know that's that's kind of one of the reasons why i don't know if active wrestlers should really have those positions because i think that puts you in too many different positions of power and positions of that, that can end up being conflicting because why are you as someone who is an executive of this company who theoretically has like a lot of power in standing and clout in this company why are you handling this like this and not mm-hmm. like just being like okay we all need to have a moderated discussion sitting down yeah with Tony and with maybe a few other people with Hangman and just be like okay let's all figure this out let's all talk about where our issues are and how we can solve this like adults like you said like they need talent relations they need somebody to mediate this shit because there's no reason because again like I said you would not be hearing about like Kevin Dunn or Bruce fucking Pritchard or even Vince McMahon going like just go into somebody's locker room and trying to fight them like like if vince mcmahon like and i do think vince mcmahon would like actually have a fist fight with one of his employees but like they would he would have the dignity to like he would have the dignity to like go out to the parking lot you know like (laughs) he wouldn't be pulling this shit in someone's locker room he'd be like he'd take off his tie he'd take off his jacket and he'd get down to his you know tank top that he wore every single day and he would be like, okay, we're going to throw down for a little bit, and then we're going to talk. Which is he, also no, fine. Like, he'd, be like, he'd be like, listen, if you want to scrap, if you want to go there, we can go there. We can get it done. But, like, after that, we're going to dust ourselves off, and then we're going to talk about this, like, man, and then, boom, we're done. We can proceed. Yeah. And it's why you see that, like, even though Vince is just this maniac of a person, he still has a relatively good relationship with, like, everybody, including, like, people who have left the company. Like, even John has been like, yeah, no, I don't hate Vince. I disagree with him on a lot of things. I think that the way he runs his company isn't, like, functional. But at the end of the day, I would go have a beer with the guy. I would sit and have a conversation Literally, with the Literally, oh my <laughs> god. Naya, Dex sent me, oh my god, Dex sent me screenshots of his book, and I was like, oh, I hate this bitch. Oh, I'm was... in a group chat with Dex, and yeah. Dex does that all Shout the time. Yeah, shout out to Dex. I love you. I actually was <laughs> supposed to get, actually... Dex, if you're listening, you said to give a shout out to you in this episode, so here it is. Shout out to you. Tell, I love I'm you. I'm gonna tell Dex right now. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, love you, bestie. Um, uh, I can't wait to talk about unhinged shit with you tonight. It's gonna be so fun. Um, 
because we always talk about the most deranged things. Um, and I need friends like that. We all need friends like that to just talk. About. You're a friend I talk about deranged shit with. So is Dex. So yeah. is Micah. Um, I wish I could be in group chats with you all, except for the trauma. Um, <laughs> but like, like that's like. Because there was this one moment in his book where he was talking about, like, Vince and Hunter and how, like, Hunter gave him- Hunter and Stephanie gave him and Renee matching flasks with their initials engraved and a bottle of, like, fine, expensive whiskey for their wedding and how, like, once at a hotel, him and Renee had just had sex and he was going to get ice and he ran into Vince and- (laughs) And he was, like, and they, like, sat and talked in the, like, lobby of the hotel for, like, 30 minutes. It was, like, four in the morning and Vince had just finished working out. Yeah, and, like, how he used to have, like, he would occasionally, like, have sushi with Vince on his plane. And I'm, like, okay, like, you do make, like, you do realize that this makes every complaint about the company seem so hollow. (laughs) Yeah. Like, oh, I got to ride on the exactly. private jet of the company's owner eating like, this shut the fuck up! This is what I was saying when the Vince and Pat McAfee interview was going on, and everybody saw it as dick riding, and I was like, I don't think that it's dick riding to say that. Like, obviously, yes, Vince McMahon is a very evil and horrible man who's done <laughs> He's committed many atrocities. We can all, we can all, like, be real about that. Yes, yes, but he's like, not seeing heaven, we all know. We all know that, but can we at least admit that the guy's a little bit cool? Like, I'm sorry, like, he's kind of cool. Like, and he seems, like, fun to be around a little bit. I don't know, he's like, insane, but, like, insane people are great. <laughs> like me. And, like, that's kind of the thing, like, he, the reason he gets along with so many of these people, 1000%, is because, number one, he's just kind of an interesting guy, but yeah. number two, like, the reason he got along with Pat is the same reason Brock gets along with Pat, because they're all fucking gym bros. Like, they're all at heart. All of these people are just fucking a mixture of nerd and gym bro, and Vince is a nerd, and he's a gym bro, so, like, he gets along with all these people because he can either be a nerd with them or he can be a gym bro with them. Like, and, you know, like, he does love wrestling. Like, one, like, people don't think he does because of how he runs, how he ran WWE, but, like, that dude loves wrestling. Like, it's very clearly something super crazy important to him. So, like, I think that's people really... Sorry, go ahead and finish. I was just going to say that, like, that's why John can get along with him because they both, like, wrestling is so important to both of them that, like, yeah, of course they're going to get along because they can sit there and they can just talk about the stuff that means a lot to them. And it's ridiculous when people are like, you know, oh, Vince, nobody actually likes him. And I'm like, no, a lot of people genuinely like him because he's kind of a neat dude. He's interesting. I'm sorry. He's if, funny. Some, if something happened to Vince today or tomorrow, people like, it would, it would. It then would the dick riding would be, be it. <laughs> no, yeah. It, I'm just saying like people, I think people will really be shocked to see how beloved Vince actually yeah. is if something actually happened to Vince. Because like, like it was kind of crazy, too. I have a post about this on my Tumblr because um, somebody was asking me about, like, problematic things that Jay had done. And one of the things <laughs> I brought up, I was like, <laughs> right? One of the things I brought up was, like, people were mad at him for, like, 
posting said something sentimental about Vince leaving, like about Vince retiring. And I was like, you don't understand that like Jay knows this man in real life, right? Like his perspective and the way that he sees Vince is automatically going to be different from yours because he's known this man probably his entire life and like has had different interactions with him that you guys will have never had. And just the perspective that people see Vince from is gonna be very different from yours as a fan because you see Vince as a phenomenon who's like pushed his son in the pool and did this to your favorite wrestler and did that to your favorite wrestler. Like you don't really see Vince as a person and that's because Vince doesn't allow you to see him as a person. He allows you to see him as the character that is Vince McMahon. Because again, Vince is not stupid. Like yeah, but like that's also it's something. Kind of the same thing with Brock too. Sorry, go, sorry, go ahead. But I was oh. gonna say that's kind of the same issue with Brock. Too, we can talk about people. Brock in a second because I got some fucking thoughts to fucking say about Brock fucking Lesnar right now. Um, all positive. It's the fans that I'm mad at, but um, like, cause yeah, and that's another thing that we've talked about a little bit in the past when it comes to like especially like problematic stuff because it's like you colloquial you don't fucking know these people know them like you don't fucking know vince mcmahon probably if you do spill the tea babe um but like you don't know roman or jay or brock or john or any of these people like you don't know them you don't know their relationships with people and beyond that again it's hypocritical for people to be like oh well how dare how dare roman or jay or any of these people have like relationships with vince that are like like pleasant and and friendly when like i can guarantee you that you're not about to sit there and cut out your like transphobic auntie you're not about to sit there and tell your dad to not talk about like right-wing conservative talking points at thanksgiving like it's and it's about to be thanksgiving all y'all motherfuckers are about to be around people that you are not gonna say shit to when they talk about shitty yeah. stuff so you're don't come flex on the internet like you would but in reality you're just gonna sit there and you're gonna no. eat your freaking sweet potato pie and you're gonna move on with your life because that's that's just how people are for real unrelated but i've never had sweet potato pie i've only ever had pumpkin pie um i don't like i don't like pie i do but like i'm a big fan of more like the like chocolate mousse pies and silk pies and stuff like that and um, i'll eat that i don't like the texture of pie i don't like that it's like flaky and then it's filling i don't like that see i like that that's so interesting because that's what i like like i like the crust more than anything else on a pie that's like my favorite part but... I eat the crust by itself. I eat the filling <laughs> by itself, but I don't eat she it. Just, you want to eat them like how I eat hot pockets, where I like have to dissect it. Um, I die. I my mom thinks I'm so fucking weird because I dissect a lot of my food before I eat it. But I'm like, I can't not. You have to take hot pockets apart. You have to take nutty buddies apart. That's how it works. You're supposed to break them apart and then you eat them. That's that's what... how I eat. Not hot pockets, but that's how I eat pizza rolls. I'll bite it in half and then suck the filling out. Yes. And then eat the crust. See, you get it. Um, Sorry, we were about to talk about something else and then we were like... (laughs) We got into our neurodivergencies. (laughs) Um, Something, something, Vince. Oh, problematic Thanksgiving. Shout out to Jonathan Autistic Good. um, Or ADHD Good. Him and his god. Whenever I see the bit of his book where he's like, all these 
teachers and doctors when I was in like seventh grade were like, hey, your kid needs Ritalin and Adderall or something. And him and his mom were like, I don't want drugs. And I'm like, okay. And then you just spent, then you spent like seven years doing mountains of cocaine. Come on, brother. I don't want drugs. Like, really, John, you don't? Okay, and then does the coke and then does coke and goes to the library to read books like god listen because that was the stupidest (laughs) part because dear listeners i don't know if you know this but a fun fact about adhd in particular is that when you have uh when you have adhd when you consume a stimulant it has kind of the opposite effect on you like if you consume caffeine cocaine anything that's a stimulant your body will end up calming down because of how those uh endorphin and chemical receptors in your brain function and so to me that just says that he took cocaine and then he went to the library because that's the only way he could keep his attention on the fucking book and you're selling and you're telling me you didn't want to take adderall are you fucking for real because that's not that's him having oppositional defiance disorder which I understand because I have that. And if somebody told me that when I was in seventh grade, I would also be like, fuck you and then go do cocaine. So I fucking get it. But at the same time, dude, come on. And he's not. And you know what? I bet he doesn't even mention that one bit in the book. I bet he doesn't ever have like a moment of like self-introspection where he's like, hey, maybe I did have the ADHD. And then it's like, shut the fuck up. I fucking can't stand you. I feel like I've heard him say, like, I'm ADHD, but I don't know if he said it in a way like, I have ADHD, or if he said it in a way that, like, when people can't focus, they're like, oh my god, I'm so ADHD. And then he actually does have ADHD. He actually does have ADHD. And you know what? Fuck it. I am diagnosing him. I'm not a doctor. I'm practicing medicine without a license right now. Fucking sue me. Like... (laughs) But like me deciding that my favorite wrestler has childhood trauma just because he's playing his character too well. <laughs> we talked about that earlier too. Yes, we did. And like, dude, like I hate when they do that when they like act a little too good. Cause I'm like, mm, what you hide? No, because I'm seeing Rikishi. <laughs> I'm seeing Rikishi at WrestleCade in two weeks, and it's gonna be so hard for me to like walk up to him and not ask him like. What did you do to him? Like, I need to know. <laughs> oh my god, do, do not! <laughs> Why is he like that? Wait, I'm sorry. No, okay, so... I, I've been watching so many of the clips and, like, segments. Oh I'm gosh. Like, Jay literally, like, you cannot <sighs> tell me that he does not genuinely look like he's having a panic attack half the time. You could, like, the way he's, like, rubbing his face, it's, like, the same way... I know, I, like, I get anxiety attacks, I get panic attacks, I get overstimulated. I'm Absolutely. very, very, like, mentally ill. So I know what that looks like. Mentally and ill so, gang. Like, I see him doing it, and I'm like, you're doing that too accurately. Like, right? unless you literally sit around and watch YouTube videos of people having panic attacks, there's no way that you're just grasping this because you think this is how a panic attack looks. Google no search way. history you- out of context. <laughs> Like, you have to, like, I'm like, no, somebody traumatized you, and I want to know who it was. Like, and that's the stupid thing, because, like, some of these people genuinely do have, like, real traumas that, like, they won't admit is, like, a trauma. Like, because, like, if, like, John's book talks about, like, all the god-awful things that he went through, and I'm like, have, (laughs) 
have you been to a therapist? I just want to, like, get you some help. Like, genuinely, like, do you need some help? And, like, you can tell that, like, J- like Roman, he's probably, like, at least tried therapy. You know what I mean? Like, he's, he's, Dude. he's, he's so well-adjusted with his shit and the extreme traumas that he has been through, the extreme loss and the illnesses and stuff. And I'm like, so you have gotten help. Can you recommend somebody to John? Because he has problems in his brain. And he needs... Oh my god. Oh my god. Um, yeah, because, like, one of the other things in John's book is he talks about, like, how his dad had, like, lymphoma or something. And you're like, oh, that makes many things much, much worse. Um, and, like... I, I I hope they had like an like a counselor or something that they like sent him to because like uh I don't think 2018 and 2019 were very good years for him mentally in his brain yeah. so like Damn. get some help uh Injury. please best friend has cancer um dad is sick yeah that's a lot and like <laughs> but like I think his dad had lymphoma when he was a kid or, like oh. when he was younger so like he like, had already dealt with that with one of his family members, and I was like, oh, that's horrible. I'm sorry. I think you need to talk to someone (laughs) like, who is qualified, and I think maybe you need to not be self-harming through your job? Jonathan Good, if you happen to hear this, please stop self-harming through your job. That's not good for you. Signed, Someone who does a lot of self-harm. <laughs> like, just throwing that out there. Sorry for the many heavy topics, but, like, <laughs> I'll move on to the other thing I wanted to talk about, because we mentioned Brock, and I just want to mention the person on Twitter who was like, why is everyone thirsting for Brock on the timeline? Isn't he homophobic? he's hot. And, like, yeah. Oh. <laughs> and, I like, said that, I'm sorry. Yeah, he's homophobic, and he's also got fat tits. Like, I'm sorry, I'm not gonna sit here and be like- And I actually quote-tweeted them and explained my position on it because I was like, well, you're looking at it without the nuances of physical attraction and about how you can be physically attracted to someone and think they're attractive and not even be physically attracted to them, but think they are attractive because there is a difference between feeling attraction and acknowledging that someone is physically like very good looking like there is a difference it was between like that the other day when i said that becky Excuse was me. pretty and my friend was like what like i can't believe you're saying that i'm like listen i may you be know, a hater but i don't i have eyes like you know i'm not gonna sit here i'm not gonna say she's ugly just because i don't like how she wrestles like she's clearly an attractive woman you know i i actually and th- i don't i do not mean this i want to preface this i do not mean this in a body shame way at all i i think she was a little more attractive when she had a little bit more weight because after when she came back she was very thin all over and it it just looked a little off to me but i do think she's such an interesting looking woman you know because her face is so unique and i and that's not me saying she's unattractive i think she's very pretty but it's like she's oh how did my dad describe it she has a really good face for being photographed yeah because she's got like a really like 
these odd angles to her face, and she like it. She looks very pretty in photos. But, the point being, though, like she's not ugly, so I'm yeah. Like, just because, just because I don't love her, just because I don't like her, and just because I like hate on her a little bit, you know, that doesn't mean I'm gonna sit here and be like, damn, she's fucking ugly. I mean, like, no, take, she's. Not. I mean, take me and Ronda Rousey. Like, I, I don't like Ronda as a person. I have started to favor her a little bit just because I think that she's actually put in work. But like when she came out for the Saudi Arabia show in her gi with her hair and just a ponytail and no makeup. I was like, that is a very pretty person. Like that is a very beautiful, attractive person. And I mean, that doesn't mean that I like her as a person or that I am attracted to her. It's that she is a very pretty person, especially when she doesn't do crazy shit with her hair or makeup. She looks like a very pretty girl next door and yeah. I, there's I nothing mean, wrong with saying that and every time people start favoring brock there's people who are like oh isn't he like a republican a homophobe all this this and i'm like yeah okay i mean that doesn't change talk- the fact that he's like good at his job and hot so yeah i think we've talked about this before where we just kind of talk about like having like, a healthy parasocial relationship with your fave yes we and did. i like I I made a Tumblr post about this because um, I can't even remember how it came up, but like it was in regards to Jay and um, basically like what I said is like people on the internet just have this tendency to co-opt their morals with everything they say and it's kind of like that thing where it's like you ever seen that tweet where it's like I like pancakes and then the comments are like so you hate waffles yes like that's yes. an entirely new sentence it's like that it's like okay it's like you say brock is hot and then somebody comes in and is like oh so you're also homophobic you hate gay people and it's kind of like where did where did you yes where did you get that out of me finding him hot kind of me thing? the <laughs> dude i'm so homophobic because i think another dude is hot yeah that's how that and works it's like, that's where i was like with jay where it's like i can say that like jay can be my favorite wrestler and i can you know uh admire his work without you know and still admit that like maybe he shouldn't say the n-word and like be like yeah he's wrong for that i don't have to agree with his morals and beliefs in order to like you know like him as a wrestler like honestly any as as long as he's not out here like r-wording anybody then i kind of just don't care because i don't know him (laughs) like you know what i mean like though you do want to know him carnally Oh. I do. I would love to know Jay Uso. I want to. I really, really badly, and maybe we can start campaigning for this. I really badly want to interview Jay Uso. Like genuinely, I just because I feel like I um we've been talking about this, but I feel like with him and with Roman, their interviews have gotten to the point where they they are not even worth watching because it's the same questions over and over. And they're like, damn, like the rock's your cousin and they're like yeah and with roman they're like listen, damn you got five kids and he's like yeah i got five kids and that's the entire interview listen i would have reached out to some wrestlers and wrestling personalities if it hadn't been for like last year there were a bunch of wrestlers who were like oh we hate doing podcasts we hate doing interviews and we hate we only do it because it's part of the pr of our job but we actually hate it especially if we don't get paid and i'm like okay well i'm never asking any of you people to do anything 
Uh, and I don't even kind of want to ask you anything on social media, since apparently it's such a burden to you to have to speak to people. So, like... (laughs) Um, but, like, I would love, and this is just a blanket invitation to any wrestlers who might hear this, I would love to interview people. I loved interviewing you, Naya, that started this. I loved the interview I did with non-wrestling personality, but YouTube personality, Nick Duramio the other day which please check out that interview it was super fun it was three hours long we had a great time um but like and i would love to even interview other non-wrestling people other youtubers other content creators other just people that we know like if you have friends that want to jump on this let them i would love to interview people i think it's great and It's just like, and I would love to interview other, like, not interview, but have other wrestling fans come on, but when it comes to wrestlers in particular, ever since I saw that thread, I was like, I'm never gonna actually ask a wrestler to be on this. If they want to, kick ass. But... I will say this, and this is my my plea, because I've already, I don't know, this is my way of manifesting my Jey Uso interview, but I've already started working on my questions. I feel like I've got some really interesting outside-of-the-box questions, because I don't want to just ask Jay about his dad and about The Rock and about Roman, because I feel like every interview he ends up talking about Roman for, like, a majority of it. And I'm sure Roman will come up when I get to interview Jay, but, like, the interview I want to I want to know Jay Uso. I want to ask him about his approach to his work, to his approach to his character, and you know what goes through his mind. You know when he's cutting a promo, when they're having these segments. You know when he's having to like you know be in actor mode because Jay is an incredible actor. I want to ask him if he's ever thought about doing movies because I feel like he would be a great like in film, like serious film. I really feel like he has the talent range for it, but like. I say oh. all that to say, this is my genuine plea. I would love to interview Jay so I have some really good, genuine questions to ask him because I feel like he has not had a good good interview in a while where he got asked something worth asking. So, yeah. <laughs> We're manifesting. Yeah, I mean, I would love to interview a lot of different wrestlers. All this, I mean, I'll interview Logan Paul and be like, so why did you vi- <laughs> take a video in the suicide forest? What was up with that? You know, like, I'll ask people, like, I don't care. Like, what's the worst they're gonna do? Log off? Okay. Cool. I'll just use the rest of it to talk about Timothy Thatcher and his beautiful eyes. Um, but it's like, yeah, I I would have asked multiple people by now if it weren't for the fact that it just seemed to be, like, a large consensus amongst wrestlers that they didn't want to do this. Because there was a podcast host that had interviewed a wrestler and they had been like, it seemed like they had a great time. And then that wrestler was like, I mean, I just kind of have to do this. And I was like, okay, well, you're all a bunch of cunts. And not in a fun honestly, way. So Honestly, if you feel that way, I feel like that's the other thing about Twitter. That's kind of why I feel like wrestlers need social media training so bad. Just because you feel a certain way, you don't necessarily have to say it. And I feel like sometimes... That's the difference between conducting yourself like a star and conducting yourself like just some asshole with a Twitter account. Cause like, I'll put like, actually I think this is a great example. Um, In March, we went to SmackDown and before the show we went and like hung out and met the wrestlers and all that. And like Sasha, she pulled up in like her orange Camaro. She's like sitting there, she's vibing in her car. 
and she got out of her car and like we were all sitting there thinking oh she's probably not going to come over and take pictures or anything like that because not a lot of the wrestlers were really into that but like she has on her shades she's looking like a bad bitch she's got her hip-hop music blasting in her camaro the valet people are like taking her car and driving it off where it's supposed to go and she like walks over in her little heels and she comes over and she takes a picture with everybody and she's like interacting and it just kind of felt like an old school hollywood moment where you see the actor getting out of the limo and everybody's shouting and screaming for them and they're signing autographs it made her feel like Obviously, Sasha Banks is already a big deal, but if you didn't know who Sasha Banks was and you were just driving by and you saw that, you would know that she was somebody because she could have easily just went about her day and was like, fuck these people. I don't care. I don't have to interact with you. But instead, she was like, I'm going to go over there. I'm going to make. I'm gonna look like a freaking rock star and I'm going to go sign all these autographs. When you get on Twitter and you're like, I actually hate doing interviews because I don't want to do interviews. It's just a part of my job. Like, you just kind of, to me, make yourself look like a dweeb. I feel like, to me, you should want to get out there and do an interview and be on a podcast because it makes you look desirable. It makes it seem like people want to talk to talk to you. It makes it seem like people are interested in having you on their show. It makes it seem like you are somebody worth advertising and marketing. You shouldn't then alienate people from wanting to give you a platform, like, not to say that we have like such a big platform or anything like that but honestly like if the three people who listen to our podcast never heard of you that's three more people who who have now heard of you kind of thing and like you know like sorry no go ahead the other thing that got me about the entire discussion is that was is that like it just kind of makes you look like a dick you know yeah, what i mean exactly like it just makes you look like because people aren't trying to get you get interviews with you to annoy you they're yes, trying to, because exactly. they want to know more about you. They want their listeners, readers, watchers, whatever, to know more about you. And acting like it's such a big deal and such a burden just kind of makes you seem like a giant dick face. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no reason to sit there and be like, oh, I hate doing this because it's super annoying and I hate having to take the time out of my day to do it. And it's like, okay other people do this all the time and it's not a giant deal so if you don't like it then just don't do it yeah and blasting this person that interviewed you on twitter and being and contradicting them and being like no i actually didn't enjoy this at all makes you an extra big slice of a dick because like why are you sitting there blasting this person on twitter when all they did was try and give you more exposure and more like interest and like okay maybe you're not getting paid but like you're getting paid to do your job you know like when you're actually wrestling so like why does it need to be a paid position like that's just some hustle culture bullshit it's so ironic, too, because half of these fucking indie wrestlers, and I'm gonna, I don't know, this might sound really bad, but, like, half of these fucking indie wrestlers are going and they're wrestling for exposure. So many of these, so many of these promoters are not paying you, just like the fucking podcast people. You are actually doing physically demanding work for free, and these, these promoters are selling you the dream that they are capable of paying you in a platform. Like, if you, I'm not saying that it's right on either side. You should be paid for your time if, if you know, they can afford it. But honestly, if you're going to ask me, do I want to wrestle a match for free or do I want to do a podcast for free? I'll do the podcast because at least I'm not throwing my body at the ground for no compensation. You know, like, 
that's the crazy part to me is like you're gonna go let joe blow in fucking gastonia north carolina tell you that he's paying you an exposure but you can't go do a 30 minute podcast with this dude who's like just trying to create a platform and give you exposure at the same time right it's crazy it's people are absolutely ridiculous and like i'm not saying that like oh they have to do every single interview that gets proposed to them but like yeah Learn how to, and this is another thing that comes in with the, they need social media training, because all that needed to be said was, uh, I think interviews are an important part of the public relations part of my job. I think that it's important for me to be platformed and exposed to different audiences or wider audiences, and, you know, I don't have the time to necessarily do everyone so i do have to be picky with it and i do have to make sure that my time is being spent in the right places and i think that that's a far more graceful way to say that you're not going to do every single interview that gets proposed to you than being like i hate doing it and it's stupid and i fucking hate it like because one makes you seem like, okay, that makes sense. You can't do everything all the time, and that's mm -hmm. fine. And the other is like, wow, I don't even want to follow you on Twitter if this is how, like, what wow, you're, you're like. Kind of a, you're, and it's, and it's even worse, too, when it's like some relatively like small indie person. It's like, <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying it would be any better <clears throat> if like... If, like, Roman Reigns went online and told Jimmy Fallon, I fucking hate coming to your show. I just only do it because, you know, I'm not saying that that would be better, but, like, at the very least, you and know, like, it would be Roman Reigns. But you're, you've got, you've got 400 followers. So. You wrestle out of South Carolina. Why are you being a dickhead to people on Twitter? You're not that big of a deal. The person that I, the people that I remember that did this were independent wrestlers. They were yeah. people who, like, the highest level they had been on was Impact. And they were, like, largely just completely independent wrestlers. And I'm just, like, this also makes you seem, and I don't know if this is the right word, but this also kind of makes you seem like you don't like one of the important parts of being a wrestler, which is, like, connecting with fans. Because, like, if yeah. we look at the most successful wrestlers, like you said, like, Sasha... One of the reasons she's so popular is because she does stuff like that. Is she'll be like, oh, my fans love me. I love my fans. They love wrestling as much as I do. So it's important to me to connect with them and be like this, you know, I want to take the time out to do this. And Roman has always taken the time out to connect with like kids mm -hmm. and kids who have had similar experiences with illness like him who like wrestling he's always tried to like make sure that he has that connection to his fans and even back in the day back when he was still kind of like a you know silly goofy face is he would interact with fans every now and then mm -hmm. like he'll take pictures with people at the gym he'll do stuff like that and he's cool with it and you know bianca has always come across as the kind of person who's a-okay with doing that john cena is obviously a Dude, huge example of that biggest example why do you think john and, cena is so so popular and it's because they like they let you know that like they understand mm -hmm. that you love what they do as much as they love what they do and it's like you shouldn't see the people who support you as a burden yes that's a very good way to put it because that's what all of that came off as is like 
Okay, mm-hmm. so it's it's such a burden to you that these people are trying to like support your career, and but you yeah. know that like even if John Cena did hate doing interviews, he would never let it on because he's just too good at what he does and kind of too nice of a dude. Yeah, it's kind of like the the Lindsay Dorado situation, and I fairly like it. Lindsay Dorado, I've interacted with Lindsay Dorado a few times on Twitter actually, so I was like very like perplexed by that situation with him. Where I was like, why are you being mean to somebody because they were excited to interact with you? Like, I don't now even nobody remember what went down to... with him, but. Long, basically, like, a fan had, like, basically posted that, like, it was like, uh, they, he replied to them and they were like, oh my god, you replied, which, you know, people do sometimes when they're, like, really happy that a wrestler that they like replied to them. And he was like, why do you guys do that? Why do you get so happy about interaction from wrestlers? And it's like, because they like you yeah. and they don't always have access to you and it is exciting to them like like that is like the entire appeal of twitter for some people like even though stan twitter is like a toxic hellscape why do you think stan twitter has manifested itself to what it is it is because twitter in its earlier days was like the only place where you could get a chance to interact with your favorite celebrities like and it's pretty much that to the same day like i've had interactions with some of my favorite wrestlers like online and i cherish those moments you know because they they matter to me and i look up to this person you know and it's not like it makes a difference in in your day why are you upset that somebody's excited to interact with you now you've just driven away a whole crowd of people who otherwise liked you from a wanting to interact with you and from what i've been told by my wrestling coach like that is something that companies and promotions look at like you know if you have good engagement if you have a certain amount of followers my like my coach has told me a story that i can't um repeat and say names of but there was an instance where somebody literally the difference between one person winning a tournament or winning a match in a tournament and another person winning the match in that tournament was that one person had more social media followers and had more popularity on twitter you know like Twitter obviously isn't everything, but, like, it matters. So why are you driving people away from wanting to engage with you and wanting to, like, interact with you and like you? It's very very counterproductive. That kind of goes back to even, like, what has been, like, you know, the key of professional wrestling and how it functions for all of its existence in that if you're more popular, you get more time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's not foolproof. Sometimes very popular people still don't get the time that maybe they probably should like Naomi is a big example of that but then you have other things playing into it like race and misogyny and all that but um like like yeah cause like that's why Bret Hart was popular because people liked him and he wasn't a total douche about it and that's why so many people rose to fame because like people liked them they were popular that's who people bought merch for that's who people like would pay tickets to see and would it's like there's no way you expect for me to spend my money on you if you can't even be nice to me on twitter right like (laughs) that's really what it is like am i gonna go buy lindsay dorado's merch or am i gonna go buy like who else have i had a good interaction with or am i gonna go buy leo rush's merch i'm gonna go buy leo rush's merch because i've had great interactions with leo rush like one of the reasons why i've 
one of the reasons why I've always been like a particular fan of Finn Balor as a person is because Finn Balor has always been very like connected with the fans and has always like he reposts fan art, but he gives mm-hmm. credit, you know, unlike some people in the wrestling world who think that they shouldn't have to give credit to artists, you know, certain uh, Burberry scarf wearing jackasses out in the woods. Um, and like, he's always like, he's reposted a ton of my art. Uh, he reposted my pictures of him with various Sesame Street characters a few years ago. And that was awesome. Cause it got, that was the most likes anything I've ever posted has gotten because he like it, he posted it to his Instagram as a post and it got like 17,000 likes or something. And I was like, this really means a lot to me. Um, and like, <laughs> and like Oscar retweeted my fan art of her and Rowan on my old account. Like it, like those interactions do mean a lot to me, and it tells me more about the kind of person that they are. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of person that I would like to spend my money and time and attention on. Not the kind of pe- not the people who are like, oh, all of this is just a burden, and I actually just want to be famous without any of the you know people talking to me. I guess, which is insane to me. <laughs> Because people will be like, it's, God. It's it's crazy because it's like, those are the people who are going to support you in your hardest times. Like, like, I think, honestly, when it comes down to, like, curating a a fan base, I don't think that there is a more perfect example than Nicki Minaj. Like, people wonder why, no matter what Nicki Minaj has done wrong or said wrong within the past, like, how many ever years, that she still has such a cult loyal fan base it's because Nicki Minaj literally from from since she started in 2008 or 2009 like she has always been interactive and loyal with her fans to this day she if Nicki Minaj didn't want to follow or talk to her fans ever again she probably wouldn't have to but she still does like to this day on Twitter replies to fans she talks to them like they're her friends she talks to them like they're like her family members she doesn't she doesn't treat them like, okay, I'm here and you guys are down there. Like, it's a pretty, it's like a familial kind of connection where she makes her fans feel like they know her and vice versa. And so no matter what, Nicki Minaj is always going to have those people who have her back. No matter what happens, she can sell out an arena. She can, she never has to worry about her music flopping because she knows that those people have her back. So it's like, that's the productive and efficient way to conduct yourself when you are an entertainer and you need people to support you financially, engage with your art and show up for you, which are the most important things like in wrestling. Um, actually, I just said this on TikTok cause like it was like a hot take kind of thing. And one of the things that I said was like, honestly, you know, liking something on social media is, you know, it is what it is, but you actually have to go to the shows and cheer for people. And if you're addicted to people on social media, then, do you think these people are then going to come to the show and cheer for you and like react during your matches and let the promoters and let, you know, the people in charge know that they give a shit about what you do? No, because all they're going to do is think, oh, you're that asshole from Twitter. Yeah, it's just. Oh, it's one of those frustrating things about the wrestling world that I don't think a lot of people think about. And it's just. Uh, exhausting. Sometimes being a part of this is just 
very tiring. <laughs> That's why I am very pro taking breaks often, distancing yourself, especially from the social media side of wrestling, because that, in my experience, has been and can be the most exhausting part of being a wrestling fan. Because when I go to shows, I have so much fun. Like, my friends, like, when we go, whether we're going to, like, whether we're going to a WWE show, whether it's a live event, a pay-per-view, whether we're going to, like, an indie local show, we have a great time. And it's just because when you go to a show, you're just there to be a wrestling fan. You're not there to be, well, there are people who go yeah. there to be assholes. But, like, that's the difference between you look and you're having a great time and they're over there looking miserable. It's because they're sitting here trying to discuss the politics of wrestling and you're there to actually, like, enjoy the show, you know? And if you brought that same energy to wrestling outside of the live show, like on social media and just when you're sitting at home and watching, you'll enjoy any product like significantly more. Like even though even though like I haven't really been that moved by the WWE product in literally almost a year, probably well over a year at this point, um, looking back at some of my social media posts and all that, like at the very least, when I do sit down and watch Raw or SmackDown or a pay-per-view, like, I can still kind of get into it because I just let myself, like, just experience what's happening at the moment kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I generally, there have been a handful of times where I have not had a good time uh, at a live wrestling event, but for the most part, I have a pretty good time. Especially when I get to sit in a spot with a lot of kids, because kids just make it more fun. Because kids are fun. They're not there for they're not there to be heels. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, they're there to have fun because they think wrestling is cool, and I also think wrestling is cool. So I like when I'm around people who think wrestling is cool, and not people who watch it ironically because they don't want to admit that they actually secretly enjoy it, and they have to experience the world in an ironic way or they let people know that they have genuine feelings which is apparently so stupid it's it's so stupid because it's like come on man you're 36 have your own opinion like i'm sorry who gives a shit if if you if your friends think that wrestling is for losers or whatever the fuck like grow up have your own thoughts who gives a shit what people think you like wrestling (laughs) Lots of people think lots of things I like is stupid. I still like them. You yeah. know? Like, sometimes you kind of just have to, like, work on yourself to get over that. <laughs> and, like, <sighs> I mean, it really is just, and that just shows you, like, because, like, if you look at it, like, who gets the most engagement online? It's the wrestlers who aren't dicks. You know? Literally. Like, even, like, Baron Corbin is kind of a dick, but he's a dick in a funny way, so you at least get, like, a positive interaction out of it. And, and usually he's being a dick to people who are being a dick to him first. Yeah. It's never just, like, unprovoked, I'm gonna attack you, because he's not attacking the person who's excited to be interacting with him. Right? <laughs> and it's, like... It's Sorry, just I had to so... go bug. No, that's cool. And it's just so much nicer to, like, follow those people and interact with them and... Then people who are assholes would be like, "Why does you be following me on Twitter?" And then it's like, "Well, have you thought about looking in the mirror, buddy?" Yeah. And uh, it's just stupid. And then you have, and then you have a handful of people who like aren't on social media, and they're great. 
More wrestlers should maybe yes. consider taking that route. Shout out to you Tim Thatcher. What? Shout out to Brock Lesnar. Please stay away. <laughs> Wholeheartedly agree. Honestly, I think that there, there are so many people who would benefit from shutting up more often. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, damn, you are so much more likable when you don't speak. It's crazy. <laughs> oh, gosh. We should probably wrap this one up. I know you yeah. gotta go do laundry and stuff, and we can always pick back up later if you want. But yeah, yeah. we'll we'll put a wrap on this episode just because I feel like we've jumped around enough lot, yeah. for right now. <laughs> uh, What's it like listening to two people with like ADHD have a conversation? We got one ADHD. We got one autism. It's we make magic together. Um. Oh, but, oh, uh, I'll tell you about something funny that happened to me once we, uh, okay. <laughs> once we aren't recording. But anyway, match recommendation, song recommendation, um, what song? Uh, fuck. Um. What match? That's what always trips me up. I never yeah. have a match in mind. <laughs> what have I watched recently? I rarely do. Um. You know, for my match recommendation, I'm, I think, I'm, I, I don't know if I want to go with a Scott Hall or a Razor Ramon match, but Scott's been on my mind a lot recently, so let's say any of his matches from the King of the Ring tournaments he was in, those were all really excellent, and he really showed out. Um, there was one with Bret Hart in particular that was pretty impressive. He also has another match out there against Owen Hart floating around, and it's unbelievable. Um, so check those out, because, you know, Scott Hall is awesome, and he deserves people watching his matches. Um, songs... Um... I'll go with one of my favorite songs and one of the most difficult songs I've ever tried to sing, Love on Top by Beyonce. <laughs> it's very hard. That is, like... song to sing. <laughs> that is a very tough song. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go, my match recommendation uh, is going to be Brody King versus Slice Boogie. Um, I don't remember what show it, show it was on, um, but it was for Santino Bros. If you search up Slice Boogie versus Brody King, it's like their only match, so it'll pop up um and get well soon slice boogie because he hurt himself not long after that but uh my song recommendation uh is gonna be i think i said a Nicki minaj song last time i'm trying to think i think my song recommendation is gonna be uh heads or tails by ima rosa i might that might have been my song the the not the last episode we did but the one before that but i don't care i'm gonna recommend it again because i love that song. <laughs> well i've recommended things multiple times so it's not a huge deal all right everyone go watch those matches right. go listen to those songs be safe wear a mask get vaccinated don't be a dickhead on twitter unless it's funny um <laughs> <laughs> and thank you all for listening uh recommend people to have on the podcast to us and we will see you all next time. Yes? Can I have some soup for dinner, please? Yes. <laughs>